When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Scott. Before we get to today's podcast, I wanted to remind you about Football Insider. The regular season is getting closer every day, and if you want to stay up to date on all things Browns, Football Insider is a great way to do it. Subscription gets you text updates sent right to your phone from me, Dan, Mary Kay, and Ellis. You also get access to all the exclusive content you see on Cleveland.com. A lot of it's free, but quite a bit of stuff we write about the Browns requires a Football Insider subscription to access. You also get our daily newsletter, which includes content that only appears in the newsletter. So go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, and learn how to get signed up. All right, let's do it. Here's today's Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams. Come to y'all on a Wednesday. We are just wrapping up the Browns practice. I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Scott Patsko. A rainy day brought practice indoors into the field house, but that still means it was an active day. We have a lot of Browns players returning to practice after dealing with uh, injuries here and there, which really we've been documenting uh, on this podcast at nauseum. So getting those guys back on the field, we're going to run through those names and just try to talk about what it means. And if this is a sign that things are, you know, good to go on, on this front, or is there a chance that the injuries come reeling back? Let's start at the top with a guy, Denzel Ward, coming back out there. Mary Kay, you wrote about the returns in general, but of course when you see a name like Denzel with this team already dealing with, injuries in the secondary we expected Denzel to get to this point but of course seeing him on the field has to mean you know all is good we're green to go for Denzel Ward as they prepare for Kansas City yeah I wrote on Sunday that Denzel was going to be full go for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, because at that point he had already been out for two weeks nobody was really sure exactly what was going on with him he's been wearing a sleeve a long sleeve on his right leg so it's probably some kind of a, you know, a quad, a groin, a hamstring, not really exactly sure uh, what it has been, but they've just called it soreness. But to get Denzel Ward back out there today, uh, you know, with the Kansas City game about, I think it's about 18 days away or so right now, a little bit less than three weeks away. So that's a really good sign. That gives Denzel an opportunity to kind of ramp back up, get back into game shape. He hasn't really been able to run. I mean, he's going to have to run on September 12th, okay? You know, he's going to be chasing down Tyreek Hill. He's got to be ready to go and answer the bell on that day. So good for him that he was back out there today. Good for the Browns. And now it's just a matter of not aggravating those soft tissue injuries. That's the whole key with these things. If you bring a guy back one day too early or two days too early, he can be back out again for another couple weeks, which is what we have seen with Grant Delpit, and it's what we've seen with Anthony Schwartz this season. So they have to be careful. Yeah, Dan, Scott, Mary Kay makes a great point there. We got really excited about Grant Delpit returning, you know, seeing all three of those safeties on the field at the same time, pairing with John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison. And then it was over before it even started, it seemed like. Do you think the Browns learned a lesson from that Grant Delpit return? Do you think Denzel it remains, you know, like Mary Kay said, sleeve on the leg, they're really going to keep him in bubble wrap? 
or again, like Mary Kay said, he's got to run at some point. Where, where do you, where do you fall on how they bring Denzel back? And, and again, what did you see today? Well, they did have him running uh, quite a bit on his own today. A lot of sprints across the field. He didn't do uh, team drills, but he was one of uh, a few different corners kind of working with one of the assistants, uh, just working on their drops and closing kind of in the corner of the field house. Uh, so that was like the extent of, of what he got outside of the regular individual drills that the cornerbacks run through. While everybody's out on the field, you know, doing, doing full team stuff, that's what Denzel was doing. So um, he, he had full leggings on, so it was hard to see <laughs> if there was anything else underneath there. But, uh, but yeah, that's the kind of work he got in. And maybe, maybe that is part of, you know, a result of the lesson and not throwing him right back out there. But, I, you know, he was moving and it seemed like, you know, as far as cuts and closing and all that, it was, you know, it was full speed for him. Yeah, and I, I think the thing, too, to remember is we're getting to a point where practice is going to start ramping down a little bit. Uh, you know, they're kind of treating this week like a game, a little bit like a game week. Now, they still did a lot of team stuff today, and, and it was still sort of like a training camp practice in a lot of ways. But uh, at, at the same time, you know, after this week, it's going to be cut down day. I would imagine next week is going to be pretty light. Uh, whatever they do practice, then they take that weekend off. And then you're into a game week. And, you know, you're not going to be killing these guys during a game week. So I think that's helpful for Denzel. As long as there's no soft tissue issues, we know Denzel can run. So I'm not super worried about that. I want to ask you guys, I mean, we're going to mention a bunch of names. So, you know, I don't want to spoil any. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But is Denzel the most important guy that came back today? Or is it too soon to ask that question? Should we go through the list of the rest of the names and then circle back on that question? Is, is think, Denzel the most important guy when it comes to having having on the field on September 12th? I, I think Denzel is by far the most important guy that came back today. There's no question about it. He's your lockdown corner. I mean, your other starting cornerback is going to be uh, Greg Newsom. We're pretty sure by now he's pretty much wrapped up that second cornerback job by now. Uh, so having Denzel out there with a kind of an inexperienced rookie, it's going to be very important for him uh, to be going against Patrick Mahomes. Again, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCall Hardman. Uh, you need Denzel out there. The thing about Denzel that we all have to remember and we all do remember is the fact that in each of his first three seasons, he has missed at least three or four games with a soft tissue injury. So a lot of this is about trying to avoid that this year, trying to keep not only get him to the starting blocks, but to keep him on the field for 17 games if possible. Can they do it? Who knows? It's never happened before, but part of the goal of what we've seen this camp is to have Denzel available for all 17 games and the playoffs. Yeah, I think if, in terms of looking ahead and being ready for week one, yeah, obviously, I mean, he's a cornerstone of the defense. But I think there is somebody else who came back today, and I think there was more importance with him actually participating than there was in Denzel actually being back out there today. Because I think we were all kind of working with the understanding that he was going to be ready, like Mary Kay had reported that already, you know, so, um, but I think there's somebody else we're going to talk about that I think there was maybe a little more significance with him actually getting back on the field today. In, in classic Orange Brown talk fashion, we might just turn this into a draft, and I'll, I'm going to let Scott go and, and draft <laughs> his, his um, most important return. Before we do do that, I, I want to answer Dan's question and just put this into the 
the atmosphere, if you will, Denzel coming back solidifies that secondary, like Scott said. Of course, you have to think of the opponent going up against Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, who knows how they were going to use Denzel compared to how they use him in the divisional round. That's, you know, I got to watch the tape topic. I can't, I can't wait for just to see how they defend the chiefs differently, because if you do what you did last time, we know the result, especially if Patrick Mahomes plays those final 23 minutes. So Denzel just getting back there was a must, or you're looking at a secondary that's led by then Troy Hill and Greg Newsom. But that is what I think has represented the secondary the past two seasons is second team players having to step up like starters. And as Mary Kay said, Denzel has only played 12 games in each of his three seasons. She goes, Mary Kay says the goal is to make sure Denzel doesn't miss any games and have soft tissue issue injuries yet he's already had one. Right. And that doesn't mean that this will be an issue throughout the season. It's just, you'd rather it, him get through camp 100% clean and the Grant Delpit re-injury lingers in my mind just seeing him drop deep and then slow up trying to open it up like that you just never know till you do it and not saying that's where this is headed it just you know I sound I sound jaded right like we've seen this over and over again and that's why it lingers at least it feels like it's lingering and I, like I would say just to answer my own question I would say it is Denzel just because I feel better about I'm kind of guessing who Scott is thinking. I feel better about that side of the football and I feel better about the weapons on that side of the football. Now Scott might throw a, a curveball here and throw a name out. I'm not expecting, but um, if, if we're talking about offensive weapons, I feel better about what the Browns can cook up there as opposed to going to Kansas city where you're going to have to count on not just Greg Newsom and Troy Hill as your corners, but then you're going to have to get into that depth. And, right. uh, you know, I don't know who we're talking about then. AJ green. Um, is, is it Rugamba? Is that his name? Uh, the other corner who's, who's been playing pretty well in the preseason, but you, you start to get down into your depth there. Obviously, Greedy Williams, uh, you know, if he's able to, to get back in time for Kansas City. It, you know, that's the stuff that, it, that, that just makes me a little more nervous than what I think Kevin Stefanski could cook up on offense. Yeah, I think there are three, you know, three or four guys on this team that you really can't afford to lose this season. Uh, and we've talked about this a little bit. You know, Miles is one of them. Denzel is one. I think, you know, either Jarvis or Odell, Baker and Nick Chubb. I mean, those are the guys that you just, you really don't want to lose them. So I think, uh, you know, Denzel fits in that category of, uh, you know, great to see him back. Uh, anxious to, to hear which one of these guys Scott is talking about. And I, I can't wait to hear the case uh, that you're going to make for this, Scott. And there you go. In our in the spirit of our on-the-fly draft, we'll say that I took Denzel first as the most important returner today. Scott, you have the second pick now since you claimed it. Who, who uh, your I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Tech McKinley. Um, and I'm not saying that going forward he's gonna have a bigger impact on this team than Denzel Ward, obviously. But I think the fact that he was back out there participating today was a big deal uh, because. If we're talking about, you know, we just talked about depth in the secondary. Well, along that defensive line, I think, especially on the end, uh, and we, I think even yesterday we touched on this, that there's not, there hasn't been anybody who really has risen up and taken that role yet. We assume Porter Gustin's going to be one of those guys, but even he's not, you know, he's been out as well uh, due to injury. So, uh, Tack McKinley was a, was an important signing this offseason. And, 
even if you knock him down to that number three spot, when you bring in Clowney, it's still an important spot because, again, you're talking about Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, two guys who have had trouble staying on the field as well. Uh, and I guess I, I go back to what Joel Petonio said today uh, when people asked him about just, you know, how the Browns are treating uh, preparation-wise, getting people ready for week one. And he's like, well, I, I trust Kevin Stefanski. I trust Andrew Barry. I trust all the sports scientists we got in the building, right? So I, I kind of side with that. And I think, all right, if you're talking about Denzel Ward, I, I have confidence they would have him ready. With Tack McKinley, it was just there's so many unknowns as to why he was out in the first place. Uh, just having him back in the building, I think, is a big deal because he needs to get back into football shape, I would assume. And number two, just catch up you know, with a defense that he has not been a part of yet. So. That, that's my case for Tech McKinley. You know what? And it is a good case. It's a really, really good case. And and I like the way that you laid it out there because you're right. I mean, number three defensive end, that's a big deal, especially when you have guys like Miles and Jadavian that you know you've got to try to keep them healthy to get them all the way through game 20 or whatever it's going to be at the end of the season. So uh, they had high hopes for Tack McKinley when they first signed him. In fact, before they signed Jadavian Clowney, he was going to be the number two tight end over there. Uh, I mean, the number two defensive end starting opposite Miles Garrett. So uh, he is an important piece. Andrew Berry has believed in him since 2017 when he thought about drafting him and scouted him very heavily. He's got a special place in his heart for those 2017 guys, the David Njoku's, the Tack McKinley's that he put so much time and effort into. And Tack is one of those guys that he's just always has believed in. And he believes that a guy like that can thrive in this environment. The question is, can he, can he do it? And it is a big question mark. We do not know why he was out. Hopefully he'll open up a little bit and share with us uh, what he's been going through. He might not, uh, but, you know, we'll, we should know a little bit more about that as time goes on. The question is, can he stick around? Can he keep it together? Can he, you know, get on this field and stay on it and, and be what the Browns believe he can be? Yeah, right. and, and Mary Kay, that was that, – that would be the only case I would make for Denzel. Like, I know what Denzel is going to give me in Kansas City – and I just feel like you need that. And I just don't know what tack is, is going to give me. I'm just not sure, you know, based on what we've seen since he's been in the league, there's flashes. And, and like you said, the Browns obviously like him. Malik McDowell, by the way, another 2017 guy uh, that, that Andrew Barry obviously likes a whole lot. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, the only, that's the only reason I wouldn't make the case for tack on this, just because we don't exactly know what Tech's going to be when he steps on the field. Sure. And in an odd way, Denzel and Tack's previous luggage and baggage still carries with them, meaning Denzel still sits as this injury concern and Tack McKinley's true productivity on the field remains unknown. You know, this team bet a lot on Tack, not financially, but in a productivity sense, like Mary Kay said, he was brought in with the premise or the security that okay we're, we're cool with this guy being our number two we're, we're probably going to add something to the draft or sign another guy which they eventually did injure Dave and Clowney of course but those added expectations were agreed upon both by the Browns and then I remember when Tack talked to the media when he first came in saying oh this was a great opportunity to rejuvenate his career and that he was ready for that extra workload and responsibility and then you get into camp and what has unfolded 
continues to unfold. So I really understand where Scott's coming from on this, just from a value of the pass rush and what that number three spot means on top of the unproven commodity. Tack has a lot to prove between now and whether it's the preseason game or week one. We, we, we just, we simply do not know. And that then has an opportunity to reflect one way or another on this front office. Like you said, Mary Kay, Andrew has a, has shown maybe a, a tendency to lean on this 2017 class. And I know I've said on this pod before, if that bet doesn't pay off, you're going to look back on this past draft, the 2021 class, and really wonder and question why they didn't add a young pass rusher to help out Miles and Davion up front. Well, you know what? That brings me to a thought that I've been uh, thinking about for a couple of days, actually. I really liked Carl Lawson. I was so big on Carl Lawson in, in free agency. And if, if I had to pick one guy, it, it might have been him. There were a few that I really liked. Uh, but, but Carl Lawson was one that I had very high on my list. I thought uh, for the money that you would, would be able to sign him for and the upside potential that he had, I, I just thought that, uh, that he was somebody that would be a tremendous fit with this football team. And is that not something – uh, for the Jets to invest all of that money into Carl Lawson. And now he's out for the season with an Achilles. And those are such tough injuries to come back from. It wasn't Achilles, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are such tough, tough injuries to come back from. Obviously, a season-ending surgery. And, and I did think, wow, you know, they may have, they may have dodged a bullet uh, by not springing for a guy like that. Yeah, we haven't talked yeah, about it. What a slide. It's just a sliding doors moment. Go ahead, Dan. I was, I was just going to say, yeah, that, I mean, that's obviously an unfortunate thing. But that's also one of those things you can't really hold against, you know, the Jets bet on a guy that or signed a guy that they thought would be really good for him and some freak injury happened. It's almost like if Grant Delpit never becomes Grant Delpit. Yeah. Right. I don't think we're, we're going to look back and say, boy, Andrew Berry really screwed up that pick. It just right. changes. It just changes the outlook of a guy's career. But you're right, Mary Kay. It, it, you know, the, it's, it's unfortunate for the Jets and nobody made a mistake there. No. It's just really terrible luck. Yeah, really bad luck. And, I mean, now they're looking uh, at trading for uh, a pass rusher. I mean, if you lose the guy that's supposed to be, I mean, that, that's really kind of like their Miles Garrett, right? Yeah. I mean, you lose that guy before the season even starts and uh, it could be a long season for you. Yeah, and, and that's where this team, you can then give Andrew some credit in, his ability to favor or his tendency, I should say, to favor the, the shorter contracts, especially on the defensive side. I mean, if something happens to Jadavion this year, you know, you, you cut ties, you know, you're not, you're not on the hook for anything. And that's where not being so aggressive at that position and in the early parts of free agency, you know, hindsight is 2020, but that's, you know, I guess you can say that pays off and, be planning more for the future rather than going all in on a guy like that. And then just having some freak injury happen. Cause you know, at the end of the day, a second round pick not becoming who you hope they are and a corner piece to your defense, like Robert Sala wants, it completely changes uh, everything. And, and that's not the Browns reality. They're dealing with a much smaller problem in Tack McKinley and, and like how we started this, he, he's back. So Dan, do you want to, do you want to nominate your guy? I'll give you the, the, the third pick here uh, on the list of returners. Um, all right. Well, who do we have left here? Uh, so it's Odell and Anthony Schwartz, right? Well, I'm going to take, I, wait, are we counting Odell as a returner? 
No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, oh, it was nice to see Odell ramping it up a little bit, but it, it didn't seem to me like that was something brand new. We've seen him do some seven on sevens before, not a ton, but uh, I think this is just a natural progression for Odell. So I would, I would think that Anthony counts as a guy that's been out for a long time and he came back. Well, then that's what I've got to take because I do not have a big board outside of those four guys. And since Odell has been taken off the board and Tech and Denzel have been picked, that leaves me only with Anthony Schwartz. So welcome back, Anthony Schwartz. Uh, you know, again, sort of like, not like Tech in that we don't exactly know what he's going to, uh, well, okay. He's like Tech in that we don't know exactly what he's going to be able to give you in week one. But I do see, again, like Tack, so maybe this is a lot like Tack. I do see how he can help you week one with his speed and just throwing him out there for 10 plays or whatever it might be week one. Um, I, I could see how that could cause some problems. So at least give Steve Spagnolo a little something extra to have to think about during the week leading up to that game. Yeah, Mary Kay, I thought you asked Kevin Stefanski a great question today about Anthony. Do you want to get into that a little bit? And, of course, Kevin gave you a, a Kevin Stefanski presidential answer were you were you buying what he was selling well you know the thing the thing about uh kevin is so diplomatic right i mean he majored i believe he majored in communications or that was part of it um for him and so he knows exactly how to not say very much while his lips are still moving so he does a really good job of that but um but anthony schwartz is in my mind uh has been one of the biggest disappointments of the whole uh, from the draft up until now, just in terms of not being able to see him on the field, not being able to see his development, and not being able to see him come along and just be ready to be thrown out there in Kansas City, like Dan mentioned, and giving those guys something to worry about, something to think about, an element of speed that you really can't get from any other guy. I mean, there is some, there is some speed on this football team, but not – Anthony Schwartz speed, at least not right now. Okay. 4.26 in the 40. That's McCole Hardman's speed. So the Chiefs have it. And the Browns, in some ways, are a little bit modeled after the Chiefs, right? I mean, they've got the tight ends, they've got the fast receiver, they've got the Odell slash Tyreek. They've got the, you know, they've got their former running back. They've got their former running back. So yeah, there's a lot going on here that is sort of chief like. Um, but Anthony Schwartz, in my mind, has been uh, just one of the biggest disappointments of this whole few months, uh, not being able to see, see what he can do, because they added him for a reason. And when you draft a guy in the third round, you expect to play him in his first season. You, do, you don't necessarily expect to start him right away, obviously, but you expect to get a contribution out of that guy early on. And I think that was just one of the, the small unfortunate things about this period. Yeah, we, we saw a really nice catch, uh, touchdown catch in team drills from JoJo Natson today. And the, the more I watch Natson, I wonder what can Anthony Schwartz do that JoJo Natson cannot? I know there's like a 30-pound difference there. And obviously, if they raced across the field, JoJo Natson isn't winning. But the guy is very fast, obviously. That's why he's back on punt returns and, and kickoff returns. He's elusive. Um, they're not cutting Anthony Schwartz. I, I wrote about James Hudson today and I went back and I looked at how many top guys fourth round and earlier made the team. There's only one guy 
since they came back in 99, who was drafted in the first four rounds, who did not make the team out of camp. So you would assume Anthony Schwartz is making this team, but I just, the more this goes on, um, like, well, what, what can he do that Jojo Nansen can't? And I guess that goes back to the fact that we really haven't seen him yet. He's making the team, I guarantee you that. Uh, he, he will definitely make the team. Now, what might happen, depending on how healthy he is early on, you know, maybe he makes the 53 and then they shut him down for a little bit and put him on that short-term IR and let him rest up and heal up a little bit. But there's no question about the fact that he's going to make the team. And sometimes I hear on the radio where people wonder if Demetric Felton's going to make the team. Demetric Felton's making the football team, okay? So, like – we don't need to wonder about him. We don't need to wonder about Anthony Schwartz. I mean, you draft these guys, you put all this time and effort into drafting these guys, you're going to keep them. Okay. You are, you are not cutting these guys uh, before they even get to their first NFL game. So you can count on those guys making the team Richard LeCount too. I mean, I, I think you got to put Richard LeCount on the 53 or you're going to lose him. So, um, so all those guys are going to make the team. And again, with, with Anthony Schwartz, it's just a matter of, does he end up on IR for a little bit or can you afford to keep him around and, and try to just keep ramping him up? And more immediately, Mary Kim. Go ahead, Alice. real quick, it just because Scott brings up a great point, something I, I touched on yesterday and more immediately what I'll be watching is whose spot is Anthony Schwartz costing? Cause I, I get the investment 100%. I understand it. But again, that's the politics of football where you can't say he's earned this roster spot and yeah, he's injured. That, that, that's not his fault. But th there has been JoJo Nansen and Kondero Hodge on the field, proven commodities who have the ability of stretching defenses in very similar ways, but because of the investment, he sticks around, and it's going to cost somebody. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was glad Mary Kay brought that up because just when you hear Andrew Barry talk about the draft, you, just, you don't get the impression that this is a guy that's going to be quick to cut draft picks. Um, now, maybe – some of these guys from last year or what, you know, maybe they have to be a little nervous, you know, a Jordan Elliott or someone like that, but guys that they drafted this year, I just don't see with Andrew Barry's philosophy on the draft and, and how you build a roster with the draft. I just, it's hard for me to believe that they would turn around and cut a draft pick. The only, I mean, the only guy I could even honestly think about is maybe Tony Fields because we haven't seen him, but, I don't think Tony Fields is going to get claimed off waivers if you put him on your practice squad or whatever. Um, but I, I would even be surprised if they did that. I think Tony Fields is going to be headed for injured reserve. Uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that uh, with this foot injury, it's going to take a while for him to come back from this. This is something uh, it's not going to require surgery, but it's an injury that it's going to linger on for a while. So I would say he's a candidate for, um, for going on IR and that'll work out pretty well for them for, because then they don't have to really worry about losing him. They have to put him on the 53 to get him to short-term or designated for return IR. Uh, so he'll, they'll probably have to do that, I would think. Um, so yeah, everybody should keep that in mind too that's listening. Whatever you see at 4 p.m. August 31st or whenever they announce their final cuts, we, we call it on this pod, the initial 53-man roster, right? We've stopped calling it the final 53-man roster because by the next day and the next mm -hmm. day after that, there's six, seven, eight changes that have taken place. Um, and, and 
some of these IR guys will be involved in those decisions. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, Mary Kay, we're going to deem you the Ozzie Newsome, Eric DeCasso of this draft and give you a bunch of supplementary picks here. Just some other names that you have returned to practice that uh, have just been not available that Browns fans are familiar with. Well, one guy that I, I think was a little bit significant that came back today, and that's safety Sheldrick Redwine. He's significant because Grant Delpit is still out, and they're not sure when he's going to come back. So Sheldrick Redwine has an ankle. Uh, you know, it gives him an opportunity to prove that he deserves a spot on this football team uh, to get out there and to try to, uh, you know, to show them that uh, he belongs around. So that was, you know, good for him to get back out with the ankle injury. Porter Gustin with the knee, he came back today. Then you had Jamarcus Bradley, uh, the wide receiver, uh, with the neck injury coming back. And he's another one. I find him to be an intriguing developmental guy. I think he's somebody that if they can try to keep him around on the practice squad, they should try to do that uh, because there's there's something to him. I mean, he, he's done a really, really nice job. They've got that whole bunched up bunch of guys in, in that category of the Kaderil Hodges, Jamarcus Bradley, you know, they can play some football and they're going to play football for somebody. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they can find a way to keep him around. I'll touch on Sheldrick Redwine real quick and we can go around the horn if anyone wants to touch on these players who are coming back. I, Mary Kay, I think you made a great point about Sheldrick coming back simply based on opportunity. You know, your, these depth charts are deep and thin across the league in different spots. And the Browns just so happen to be thin at safety despite all their investment. So Shelter, quite frankly, being a complete afterthought when you look at this roster and the safety room before camp starts, but now he slides in with a chance at, at a spot that, that is thin where you see, you know, Javante Moffitt making a, a lot of plays and being out there. And, and Redwine, Red's a, a young man who's, who's made plays before. I remember the 2019 year that they leaned on him towards the end there and he had a nice game in Cincinnati. So th there's, there's a chance there and definitely someone I'll be watching if he's able to get on the field this Sunday in Atlanta. Anyone else? I was just going to say, it, it's, it's going to be a tough hill for him to climb because right. if they only keep four, he's probably not leaping over Richard LeCount for that fourth spot, just because of things we've just talked about. The fact that he's a, a draft pick. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure uh, if, if that me if you can get someone like him to the practice squad. I'm not sure if he's going to want to go somewhere else and uh, and and start over. At, you know, he just hasn't been out there pretty much at all throughout training camp. So it's it's kind of a rough situation for him. Yeah, I, I think it just comes down to how ready do they feel Richard LeCount is. Um, you know, are they seeing things that say, okay, this guy can play? Because again, I mean, the interceptions are great, but. It was an interception off Gardner Minshew on one of the worst Hail Marys I've ever seen and one off Brian Lewerke in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. You know, so what else is he doing snap to snap at that safety position? Is he making these coaches feel comfortable that Richard LeCount can be out there on a semi-regular basis? And if the answer is yes, that's probably bad news for Sheldrick Redwine. If the answer is no, then maybe you got to keep him around for a little while until you, you feel really comfortable putting Richard LeCount out there in a more significant role. Somehow they have to keep him, though, you know? I mean, he's just not somebody that you can uh, let go. And I, I don't know if, if he makes it out of here, if you try to get him through waivers and onto the practice squad. I just, I'm just not certain that, that you would be able to do that. I think he showed enough in this, uh, in this training camp that he's got some really good upside potential. I think somebody would snatch him up 
really, really quickly. So I think they have to be very, very careful about that. Uh, th there's something about him. As you mentioned, you know, they weren't, you know, these weren't, you know, he wasn't picking off Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game or something like that. But he's shown really good ball skills and he's got really good instincts. And even in the practices against the Giants, uh, he did some really nice things there. And we've seen a lot of him because of the injuries. Ronnie was out so long. Rant was out so long. Every time he looked up, number 39 was out there making some kind of a play. Uh, and it was good for him to be able to show what he could do. And I think he made a case for himself to stick around. I could be wrong. I think he makes the 53. Yeah, PFF actually oh, has no. him ranked uh, fifth in, in overall defensive grade. So, so there's that. Um, they like what he's been doing, you know, aside from, from those interceptions. No, I mean, I, no, there's no doubt in my mind LeCount makes the 53. I, I just met with Redwine. If they believe LeCount can play right away, that's bad for Redwine. If they're not sure, yeah, then, then you probably have to find a way to get Redwine on this roster because you're keeping LeCount. There's, there's, I mean, right. Yeah, him not making the 53 isn't even a question. Right. And, but, and some of it has to do with what's going on with Grant. Right. Because the truth of the matter is nobody knows yet what's going to go on with Grant. And hopefully for everybody involved, Grant Delpit is going to come back that the hamstring is just a minor setback and that he's going to get back to it and everything will be fine with him because that's what everybody wants and everybody's pulling for him after everything that he's been through. But the truth is no one really knows yet where that's going. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up this injury loaded version of the orange and brown Talk podcast. So for myself, Dan Lobby, Scott Pasco, and Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Ellis Williams signing off. Thanks for listening y'all.